to This Versus That, Making Wedding Decisions with Kelly McWilliams. This podcast is for you if you're making a wedding decision and want to know what to consider before saying I do to all the things that will make your wedding experience a great one. I'm your host, Kelly McWilliams, and I'm so glad to be a part of your wedding planning journey. In each episode, you can count on me and my expert wedding co-hosts to give you everything it takes to make the best decisions for the wedding that you're dreaming of. Guess what? This is the first time ever I am doing a two-part episode, and it's because this is such an important topic. We are going to be talking with Lance Patton, who is a DJ in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, and also the editor of this podcast, about reception timeline chaos and reception layout chaos. And we say chaos versus well-planned and well-thought-out. Um, the reason that we did it in two parts is because really we had like three hours of of things that we wanted to talk about with you guys. So you're going to hear this same introduction twice. Sorry about that. But, it, you know, we wanted to give you all this information, but be able to, you know, allow you to listen to it at two different times. So let me tell you again about Lance, who, again, like I said, is the editor of this podcast, and I appreciate him so much that he took the time to do this with me. Lance Patton is a musical force with a calming presence. One might ask, how does that add up to a DJ that can deliver an energetic dance floor? Well, it's experience. From the 90s to now, Lance's ability to read a room is second to none. Based in Dallas, Lance has entertained thousands across the country. Weddings, galas, and celebrity events are all a part of Lance's impressive portfolio of work. This DJ is all about the details. His work begins well before the event and starts with prep regimens that rival many. And boy, are you going to hear it during these two episodes. This is why he was so perfect for these topics. So let's avoid all chaos and do well thought out and planned. Let's talk to my friend Lance and the editor of this podcast. I promised we would come back, Lance, and here we are. Hello. Part two of yes. Reception Chaos. <laughs> Part duo. <laughs> chaos or celebration, mm-hmm. right? Yes. We're, we're all about celebration. So what I wanted to talk about in this episode, after talking about the flow of the reception, meaning the timing and like how to make sure all of that happens appropriately with or without a planner. Um, that was such a great conversation, Lance. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, let's talk about how we set up the room for success. And ceremonies, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, there's outside of a church, because clearly in a church, yeah. we, don't, we don't have any. We're not. Moving. Almost. Yeah. yeah. Rarely. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So let's, so guys, what we're talking about now is how to, or, or setting up a room appropriately versus just doing it willy nilly because, you, mm-hmm. you know, you like the way that that, you think that that looks or you saw it this way somewhere else and thought that was cool or because that your venue is leading you into what they feel is appropriate for their room. And how they've always done it. 
So Oof. that does not need to be the case, nor should it always be the case. So I would go as almost far to say never. <laughs> okay. So Lance, you definitely had some really great thoughts about it. And I know that we it, it did come up in our last conversation in the last episode. So tell me, tell me um, what your thoughts are on this. Do you want to start with the ceremony part or? Yeah. Okay. For those that have to have, you know, a DJ or even, you know, a DJ that's helping you with sound because I've there, I've had my fair share of oh, ceremonies yeah. where I'm just responsible for sound and there are live musicians that are actually, you know, playing the entrance and exit music and anything in between. DJs slash sound, much like concerts, much like uh, theater productions, should be in the rear of the room for a ton of reasons. Um, One being the most obvious, pictures. There is no need to have a speaker or any type of equipment in your beautiful ceremony pictures. It's just not necessary. Now, if it's part of the venue install, that's one thing. It's just there. And, you know, talented photographers can typically shoot around that with no issue. Um, Logistically, you don't want voices near the speakers. That little hum or whistle that you hear on occasion with a microphone is called feedback, which most people know. Feedback is typically and easily avoided when there is distance between the person or people speaking or singing and the actual audio equipment slash speakers that they're coming out of. So being in the rear has both a logistical advantage and a technical advantage, Uh and the sound will travel. There's no need to worry. The largest wedding in the world when you have sound in the rear. And the other thing about being in the rear of a room is we have a lot more options of what we need to do to achieve the appropriate sound because we don't have to be as concerned about visuals as a result of being on the opposite side of the room of the efficient. And mm. the couple. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have to be neat and clean and pretty. All of that counts. Sure. But the hiding and the tucking and the dressing that we have to do is a lot different when we're not invading the actual ceremony space. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Like everything you just said. Clearly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> to the point where short of it being a tripping, tripping hazard. And I can't recall where this has been the case, but if for some reason the electricity were in the front near the actual space where the nuptials will take place, I would still rather run electricity from the back to the front than be in the front. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense, Lance. It makes complete sense. Not everyone's going to think of that. Yeah, so I'm glad and and they, yeah, and it, which is which is the other thing. There are a lot of DJs out there, and listen, DJs can be talented in certain areas. So you may have a DJ that is a wonder on how he or she puts their music together, whether they mix or whether it's the songs that they choose to put back to back. 
doesn't mean that they're a technical expert, doesn't mean that they are a strategic and entertaining MC, which is why shopping for wedding entertainment is so different than other aspects of entertainment because we just really have to have worldly knowledge Mm -hmm. of the entire wedding landscape as opposed to just how to rock a party. I could not agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. And that even ties back to uh, DJ Malik's episode Mm -hmm. on on DJs because he brought up such good points about... um, you know, the the expertise and knowledge of, you know, DJs who are just phenomenal that really kind of like with music that mm-hmm. really should be at a club. They're like mm-hmm. really good at that, really, really good at that. And then there's other ones who um, speak re- like know professionally how to handle a wedding mm-hmm. and to be able to read that, cr- that crowd that is s- such a different crowd right. and having the years of experience behind is so important there's also quite often if you don't have a dj there you may have a sound engineer that you've Mm -hmm. hired just to take care of of this so when you're interviewing your entertainment for your ceremony or for your reception those are questions that you should be asking like do you have the expertise and knowledge to deal with this kind of venue under this situation under Mm -hmm. a tent where you're pulling from a generator. Do you know, and these are questions to ask in advance. Uh, Such um, just to, okay, I hate to like go selling things, but in my, um, I have a workbook available that is for like, I think it's 180, 175, 175 questions to make sure that you have confirmed and prepped for every single thing that's supposed to happen in your wedding. There's a lot of questions on there. And that is definitely a, a few of them have to deal with your entertainment and the power situations mm-hmm. and the sound and, you know, all of those things. So, you know, that might be something you might want to check out. Just yeah. gonna drop and then that let in me there. help you. If yeah. you don't sell your stuff here, where are you going <laughs> to sell it? Well, you, you know, know, I create these things so that people have successful weddings. Not everyone can have a, a planner or coordinator. So if you're planning it on your own, and like we were talking about in the last episode, if you have point of contacts who are a friend or family member, these are the things that you can hand off to them. Those sections of those questions that you can say, make sure that these are all done. These are here's yeah. all the answers to these so that you know in advance of like all of the things that should be happening. Okay, mm-hmm. I won't disturb you again. Go ahead. No, there's no such thing. <laughs> don't, don't you dare. No. But yeah, so that's that's really the abbreviated part of the ceremony. Now, here's where, where the fun part of the discussion is going to come, because you, at even more so being a destination planner, where you're encountering different landscapes on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. um, you will have even better insight than what I'm going to start with. But here's here's my stance and what I consider to be a very important stance on your reception layout and DJ placement. I cannot think of a single circumstance where the DJ placement should be planned separately from the dance floor placement. Let me tell you what happens. What happens is 
you'll occasionally bump into designers and sometimes planners too that are not sensitive to the DJ's role. It's kind of like we're just DJs. I sounds so degrading, but it, but I'm going to stick with, they just don't understand our role. That doesn't mean that they're sure. jerks or anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what they will do is they will plan a room strictly on symmetry. And then whatever's left after they've, after they've in, achieved desired symmetry is we'll put the DJ in the space that remains. So I confess that I've done that before. I hate to, ooh, the look you just gave. <laughs> Lance. And here's the thing. If you if people like you don't take the time to tell, not that you don't take the time or haven't had the opportunity to share that with us or have been uncomfortable to share that with us as planners and or designers, we don't know better. It's just like, you know, someone walking in to plan their wedding. You don't know what you don't know. Well, so, well, let me let me give what I know will become a pass for you. Though you may have done that, what I what I am sure that you have not done, if not in years, possibly ever, is have the deep because because the symmetry discussion is relevant. Because I'm I'm certainly not saying the opposite. I'm not saying screw your symmetry, <laughs> put the DJ front and center, and you figure the rest out. No, not, not not one bit. What I am saying is, as you're laying that out, and you can still put the focus on symmetry if you so choose, and you may need to and want to for aesthetic purposes. That the DJ. And this has happened, should not be disconnected from the dance floor. Okay. Now, there's a million times over where we don't get the luxury of being, uh, and I'm I'm gonna keep saying front and centered, but I say that strictly about position. I am not a DJ that cares about the attention. I'm a DJ that cares about the connection. And if I'm put in a position where I am disconnected from the crowd, I am DJing from a disadvantage. Doesn't mean it's going to fail, but it just means that the work that I have to put in to make the connection with the people that I'm entertaining for roughly the final two hours of a reception becomes a different job because now I am fighting both landscape and attention. Uh, yeah. Yeah, being Absolutely. Ca- being catty-corded on the dance floor, no big deal. I again, I'm still connected. It's not the center, but who cares? I'm not worried about that. But I had a, the one wedding specifically, and it turned out, it turned out fine. But again, it 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 became it could have been better, couldn't it? Have? Well, it could have been it could have been better, but but the only thing that saved me were was psychology and philosophy, and okay. I'll explain it. So there was a designer and what the designer had in mind was dance floor in the center of the room. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Uh, tables that bordered the dance floor. Okay, All the way cool. around? Uh, an extended horseshoe. Okay. Um, 
bar on the left center, bar on the right center, third bar, and and, and the the guest count was big enough to justify. Mm -hmm. Third bar that was actually part of the venue landscape uh, in uh, like the, the north center of the room. Okay. The reason I couldn't be on the south center of the room is because that's where the doorways were, where people entered and exit. There's no alternative. Oh. So I had to be on the side. No problem. Get right. Now, you should see Kelly's face. <laughs> but now you see well, my dilemma. I. Did, so then you had tables in front of you? I Not only did I have tables in front of me, but the dance floor wasn't truly centered centered matter of fact there were tables in the middle now that i think about it think about a compass my position and i don't mean this is what was on paper and we changed it this is how the wedding was executed i was in the southeast corner of the room and the dance floor was on the northwest oh oh right were you just on a regular riser? No, ground level. You have got to be kidding me right now. I kid you not. And it was supposed to be a medium high budget, high society wedding. But what lacked was the communication because I would have stopped them. So here's what I had to do. So. Despite the distance, I was able to get people to dance, though I literally, and I mean literally, could not see them. I could Mm. see body movements and top of heads just enough to know that what I was doing was working. But just, just this weird and horrible disconnect from that insane distance. So what I did, like the couple... And the wedding party and their friends, they were kind of wandering around the room in a big group. They were just buddies, thick as thieves, having a great time laughing Mm -hmm. and joking, but not really partying. I'm almost like background music when I'm normally the dancing music. So they reached a point where they got near me. And I literally said, stop, hold everything. You guys don't move because they were all friends. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to play this one song, very popular song called Swag Surf. And I said, I want you to, and I didn't, tell, I didn't tell them what it was. I want you to dance to this song right there. Don't go anywhere else. Dance to it there because I knew once I started it and they recognized it, they would do the dance that's attached to the song and it would create that one moment and that one picture that became the finale, though it was not at the end of the night. But that moment, it it had to be MacGyvered. It was insane. (laughs) The MacGyver moment. Yeah, because it it wasn't going to happen naturally. It just, the logistics were not there. Oh, man. So, let's say that for some reason it's a forced way. Like, there's no way around this for one reason or another. Okay. I haven't seen it. I promise you I have not seen it. But just play with me, Lance, for just a minute. (laughs) 
let's say there really truly is no way for you to be connected in that way. The and reason it's hard for me to imagine that is because I haven't seen it. Okay. But let's say that there was a reason. <laughs> okay. And you could not get out of it. The one thing that could have made a huge difference is putting you on a riser and lifting it up all the way. That would have given you a solid two-foot lift. You, I, I've done where I put a DJ up six feet in the air for because they really wanted that club vibe. It was really cool, actually. I have to, I have to admit, it looked really neat. But um, we had a cool rap and everything. Anyway, going back to the mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. That could just that one little thing could have alleviated, and that's such a nominal amount of money to have a riser put in. I I can't think of a really good reason to put a DJ just flat on the floor. I don't know if that happens there quite often. I always lift them up just a little bit so they, you know, I think that you should be able to see the whole room and everything that's going on because mm-hmm. you are responsible for that part of the evening making, you know, reading the crowd and not just the crowd that's on your dance floor, but the ones who are still sitting there that you want to see if there's a way to get them in there and seeing who it is that is sitting down. Mm-hmm. So giving your DJ and or band perspective, visual perspective, I think is such an important thing to do. So invest in a, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, because I keep using the word riser and guys, you may know what that is. Risers like a stage, and they can be um, from six inches off the ground to easily three or four feet if you need them to be, so that you can get it gives them that lift. And that is also, I I think, a great perspective for people even on the dance floor, so that they can easily, if they want to turn, because a lot, I'm one of those people that kind of likes to turn towards the entertainment, you know, to to see what's going on. You know, I'm not always facing. And I'm a dancer. I'm always on the dance floor. So mm-hmm. sometimes I'm tuned into the people I'm dancing with. And sometimes I'm looking at the DJ or band because it's one of those songs that pulls towards the DJ or band. You know, like you want to see yeah. them hype with it too. You right. know, sometimes it is about dancing with the DJ, you know? Mm. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I it, thanks to technology, I can show you that moment and i want you to describe what you see and see if there's any any hint of the moment being manufactured my guess is no but here you take a look okay that's not manufactured that's what you were talking about that is the the picture you were looking at and i'll let you describe it because i'm too used to it okay but so- but 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 let me just tell you <laughs> that that south that's that, that that south door, uh huh. That's that door. They're in front of the door. Oh my god! That's what I meant by I said I said stop right there. Don't move. That is the actual door. This okay, okay. So I'm gonna describe this to you guys, Lance. I'm so glad you showed this to me, and please send me this image so that when we um, when I put this on Instagram stories, everyone can see this because this is this to me is like a viral image. It is. Like you can tell, this is the hype crowd for the night. These are the friends of friends, and the um, that's the bride and groom right up front. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's like 20, 25 people in this image. They're in front of the doors that you were just talking about, and they are all having the time of their lives. 
and it's it's clear to me that they're doing some kind of special dance. Swag. But the, every single person has the most amazing look of joy and celebration on their face. There's a guy like halfway down with the groom, got his arm around his um neck on his shoulder. The bride is looking over at them and she's halfway bent over and she's like just huge smile on her face. All the guys and the people behind them are like like just having a great time. I, this is a huge celebration picture. I totally see where you're going with this. And it is amazing that you made that happen. Absolutely amazing. And, and the key, and just take take me out of it, is that I had to make it happen. Logistically, nothing was in my favor that would have made that happen naturally. Nothing. Mm-hmm. That is, that's incredible. I'm so glad that you shared that story. Please do send me that image. I absolutely will. Okay. So, so right. tell, tell me and tell us, our podcast audience, about the most challenging band or DJ, but I imagine it would kind of be DJ just kind of by default, DJ placement that you had to figure out and, and what made it challenging. It's, it's typically the size of the room and the kinds of tables that we have. Mm-hmm. That's that's typically the the biggest challenge with it. Okay. Um it's it's space. It's like the amount of space is usually what it is. So and it's gotten better to... over the years because now I find that you guys don't have to take a you don't have such big no. things where you don't have to take up much space at all. So a Not lot right. of his trouble has gone by the wayside from when I originally started planning. Mm-hmm. Um because back then we'd have an eight foot table. There was, you know, right. all those speakers and those Crates big boxes. Records. <laughs> what are those big boxes the speakers went on? And then uh, there was all the stands. lighting and everything mm-hmm. was just bigger. Everything yeah. was so much bigger back when. But now things have really streamlined quite a bit. They have. So, Significant. Yes. Yes. So um, you don't take up the same amount of space. But this goes, you know, with bands and DJs. Um, it's the footprint in the room, you know, that is mm-hmm. typically... The other part of it is usually power, like where the power is. Power, the there. I can only think of one situation where I had an unavoidable power situation, but that really had to do with center versus left of center or right of center, as opposed mm-hmm. to being disconnected from the dance floor. There was a there's a venue here in Dallas where the the most desired placement for a DJ based on where the dance floor normally is in this particular venue, mm-hmm. the electricity that the DJ would have the closest access access to is on the same circuit as the kitchen. Oh, that's right. not a good thing. Right. Yet the kitchen is across the room, but, but the circuit can't take it all, take all right. the kitchen right. heat versus, you know, the load that the DJ carries. So, so- what Lance is saying, guys, so that we make sure that everyone's knowledgeable of what we're talking about, because for us, mm-hmm. this is just common conversation. Right. But one of the um, one of the hard parts of weddings and logistics does come with power. Yes. And for DJs, bands, lighting, um, catering, you have to figure out everyone who is using power at your venue for that location 
and how many circuits and what do they call it? amps and circuits? That's mm-hmm. that's what it is, right? Yep. Um, they're all using, and if they like, you will see on most of their contracts, it should be in everyone's contracts, how many separate circuits they need and how much power they need for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, if you have a band, they're going to say something like, "We need four separate um, or four twenty amp outlets." on a separate circuit, meaning that and I'm making these numbers up. I can't recall them off the top of my head, yeah. um, but they're going to say that. And th- when they say separate, that means nobody else can be using those same circuits because right. if they do, that takes power away from them that they require to run their instruments and um, audio, their speakers, which which comes into play more so with bands and kitchens, the the DJ load in, you know, post 2000 and even more so post 2020 is not outrageous unless there are a lot of special effects, uh, special effects. Now, now that's a, a different discussion on power load, but the regular power load that DJs have is typically not an issue if we're not having to fight it with the kitchen. Yeah. But that that's what I'm saying though, is that if, if you only need that much, but let's say you only need one twenty amp, if the kitchen needs more and you pull some of that out, yeah. Your breaker's gonna be flipping. Like it's or is that uh, period. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's it's just something that really, it's not a fun part of wedding planning and why mm-hmm. if you really need to have professionals involved in that and looking at your contract to add up those things to make sure that those things are available to you and for you. If you're not inside of a venue, like a ballroom or something like that, it might be right. where you're running things off of generators. There's right. different size generators that give you different amounts of power. Mm-hmm. There's other things called distribution boxes that um, take major power into one big box and have separate circuits within it so that everyone can have their um, their power coming from it and there's different outlets and circuits in it. Yeah. And in that case, the, the best thing to do is to label in advance. Again, this is not something that you should be doing. No. But someone, you know, professionals should be doing, but labeling what outlet is for what um what party so mm-hmm. if you know these are the band outlets this is the dj outlet this is the lighting outlet yeah and again this is another thing where there needs you know if there's not a team meeting of some sort having a timeline that um so that is sent to everyone that so that everyone is knowledgeable of the things that are be- going to happen during your reception so that everyone so that the dj and or band or in our catering knows that, oh, there's lighting going on here, like major lighting. It's going to take a lot of power because if they don't know that all of these things are going on, they're already counting on if it's a venue they've been at already, um, where their outlets are, not knowing that there's also, we brought an extra lighting guys and they're looking for it too. And then they get there before you, the DJ, and you got nowhere to plug in all of a sudden. Right. So it's important that everyone is again knowledgeable in advance of all of those things. Yeah, even more part. so with it with a destination wedding and then if that if said destination wedding is in a 
you know, non-traditional space. There are certain situations where, like, oh, we do weddings here all the time. And you, and you could put a little bit of trust in that because they, they kind of have been through the ringer on what's necessary and what isn't. But when you start carving out <laughs> the side of a mountain and they don't <laughs> normally do it there, you, there really has to be some specific measurements that take place to make sure everything goes without a hitch. Yeah, I think planning in advance is important. I think making sure that the team is all, all aware of all of the things that are being put into place. Yeah. Because someone like you, would, if you were to see that on the schedule that, oh, they've got this lighting team coming in. Mm-hmm. Wait, they have a lighting team and a digital character, character. What's how he said? Caricature. 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 Guy. I, I, I fight with that second C. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and a photo booth. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and there's something else that's electric. You're going to see that right away and say, that's a lot of power for that room. Right. And I know there's not enough outlets for that. You might see that right away and make a call to somebody, right. you know, to save yourself that disaster. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being able to see that in advance, guys, I can't, I cannot express it enough. That's my job and something that I do on a regular basis. But you, if you have a point of contact person that is just, you know, a friend or family member, they're not going to know. So it's, it's you know, again, this is the point of this whole podcast is to let you know about these things that you can so that you can plan for them in advance. Yeah. yeah. And the, and so now here's a, here's something that's a little bit non-traditional that extends just a bit beyond floor plan, but but definitely lines up with placement. And I think this is. This comes from not understanding that technology has come a long way that, um, you know, professional DJs come with a certain grade of equipment, but when it's time for certain things to happen on the microphone, whether it's welcome, uh, speeches, toast, you name it, the person speaking in most cases does not have to be anywhere near the DJ to do that. Now, right. My preference is both technical and aesthetic. When people come right up to me and they're about to speak and they kind of just turn right around after I hand them the microphone, they're right up under the speakers. And Mm -hmm. so now I'm fighting feedback versus volume. Feedback typically isn't just, oh, you know, something set on the mic wrong. No, it's that I have the equipment at a certain volume so everybody can hear without blowing anybody out in any particular area. But what people don't understand and nor should they have to understand is when I'm speaking, I'm behind the speaker. So I don't have the same technical threat of creating that, that feedback whistle or hum versus somebody that's standing right in front of them, mm-hmm. which is typically the guest, someone doing a toast, whatever the case may be. Aesthetically, even though my setup and most DJ setups are wedding appropriate these days, there's typically something better to shoot in front of. Yeah. As long as it's centralized for the room so it, people can see while that person is speaking and give them their attention you don't have to automatically stand in front of the DJ. Most of us have high-end microphones that'll travel a great distance. and You can go where you need to go, get the prettiest uh, picture, get the most uh, focal part of the room, 
and speak there. And it saves me from a technical battle that I don't have to have. Such a good point. I'm going to tell you the other part of this. Mm -hmm. For your videography and your photography, Mm -hmm. mostly for videography, one of the reasons that they love to have the person either on the D again, I use risers or stages mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Having the person speak from up there, one, they can see everyone and everyone can see them, mm-hmm. which is important. Mm-hmm. But two, people quite often, because they're not used to speaking, you know, in, in public or to large amounts of people, tend to walk around mm. quite a bit and not say say still. That is very difficult for the photographer and videographer to get that because quite often they'll have multiple cameras going. So they set up for where they think the person is going to be speaking from. And then if they get up there and they start talking and they start pacing left to right across the dance floor, it happens all the time, you guys, all the times. I know you've seen it and oh. you just, you didn't think anything of it. But when it comes down to that video or, you know, it, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. And it's you funny know? because it's the same technical nightmare for me because yes. I can, I can, I can do, make the settings. I'm trying to stay away from technical work. I can make the settings that I need to make. If it's like, well, if you're standing there, mm-hmm. I can make these adjustments. And I'm good. Once you move, like if you go to the left, you are now in front of the left speaker. (laughs) And I've got to do a totally different adjustment, which brings something to mind that I see a fair, especially videographers, a fair amount of videographers do. They will take some tape. They will X a spot on the floor and they will tell them stand here on the X. It's a good. Yep. And it saves all of us. It -hmm. saves all of us. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. There is venue friendly tape. So those of you with, you know, classic and special floors, no worries. Won't leave any residue, won't pull up the paint. (laughs) (laughs) Painter's tape always works for that. Yes. Never takes off anything. Um, Such such a good thing. I'm I'm glad that that came up. I'm really, really glad. And again, another uh, point for risers and stages is that Mm -hmm. they can be there. And maybe even, especially for... Um, a situation where you are going to have speakers uh, or people giving toasts to give the DJ um, a little bit more, make the stage or risers just a little larger than they would actually need. So there is room for them to be, you know, up in the front of that or off to the side, just Mm -hmm. a little bit. And I will say that this also brings me to another point. Um, And when you said that, you said that, uh, um, you know, things are, you guys make, it's a little bit cleaner now. They've dressed a little bit more appropriately. I mean, your mm-hmm. space, not just yeah. you. Sure. But this is another reason for when you have speakers up there, if you're going to have them sitting there um, to give toasts and speeches, to take into account the background behind the DJs mm-hmm. and a uh, band that you want to avoid exit signs or just like anything that's not aesthetically nice to look at it's if you have the ability and the um the funds available to do some kind of backdrop behind them 
that is one of the things that really do go a long way. They do. You know, um, some simple pipe and drape can go a long way. You can do a faux uh, boxwood wall. I mean, there's um, there's all kinds of things that you can do to dress that area up so that if that is going to be perspective for your photo and video, that it is looked like it, it was a space that was thought of. And yes. not just, <laughs> that. <laughs> you know, especially when you've taken Thank so much time to yeah. to make the rest of the room look beautiful. But especially in your wedding videos, I I I can't tell you that, like how not distracting that that's an imp- really important part of um, your memories and your you know that visual. So if you want that to look as great as the rest of your room looked, I mean, please don't let it be an afterthought. Just yeah. dress that area just as well as you would any other part of your reception. Which, which in a lot of cases, becomes part of what attracted you to that DJ in the first place. Oh, agree. I agree. You, you saw somebody else's design that was combined with uh, an aesthetically conscious DJ. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, that's what I want. I want this party. I want this look. I want this pizzazz well yeah it wasn't all on the dj right yeah. right absolutely um what else have you come across lance if anything that has been difficult uh layout wise well uh, let, let's, let's stay talk- well i, I, I want to say let's stay there too because and now now here's the situations where i can't speak for all djs but i can speak for all weddings it is okay for the DJ area, much like the rest of the room, to also get what I label as, if this is chauvinistic, forgive me in advance, what I label as the pretty treatment. I think people sometimes think of the DJ area as a technical area. Yeah. In function, it is very technical. Mm-hmm. Aesthetically, it is allowed to be as beautiful as any other part of the room. When I do events uh, and I have a chance to talk with the planner and, you know, we, we talk about the area, I invite candle treatments. I invite floral treatments. I invite, uh, you know, attractive props because the same mm-hmm. way that it highlights other parts of the room, it highlights me. It does not get in the way. And it doesn't the part- need to be the ugly part. No, Single or nor put. the boring part. Yeah. And I, and I tell you what hurts a little bit. I understand it. And again, you know, my setup as well as many other DJs, our wedding setups are typically pretty, but a, a gorgeously designed room, basically what we bring does a good job of, of not getting in the way. Yeah. But if we're skipped over, we typically don't compare to the rest of the room. And the part that can hurt a little bit is when you see the room shots when the pictures come back and they shot around the DJ, <laughs> you see every square inch of the room except, and it's like the smallest But that's thing. because it wasn't designed and thought of to be right. taken care of, to be addressed that way. Right. So I'm even you know, putting this down for points to myself to be like really uh, thoughtful of that area now. Yeah, and it doesn't take much. It's, I mean, I it really I've, doesn't. You're right. No, you're I've, right. I've had a couple of, you know, of flowers and what are those little 
the 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 risers, the stands that sometimes the flowers go in to Sta- give them more height. Stage wraps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had like two pieces, like one left, one right, that made a complete difference to my mm-hmm. appearance. In and not so much being attractive. I can do the attractive part, but not being disconnected aesthetically from the rest of the room. Design. Yes. It's such, such a good thing. Such a good mm-hmm. thing. Absolutely. Yep. Um, let's and talk usually, about... And usually that piece, especially if it's floral, can be recycled from the ceremony. Exactly that. Um, we did that lot, or this past weekend. We took everything that was down the aisle and mm-hmm. put it right in front of the band. There and you go. You, you, is it something that... Necess- you wouldn't miss if it wasn't there, but because it was there, it just it's just that one element. And think of... Oh my goodness. Think of things like the photo and video of you at your first dance, guys. Mm-hmm. And that's always almost all of the pictures that you're going to see, not almost all of them, a good portion of them that you're going to see are going to be from the perspective of your guest view, what they saw, which means the entertainment is behind you. Yep. So if that is the one area that isn't addressed, mm-hmm. then here you are looking as amazing as you do and all of the rest of the room look phenomenal for all the other pictures. But this place, this part, it's just all that black stuff, you know, and <laughs> right. you know what I mean? That's, right. that's all it is. And then right. the, the taupe wall from the right. bubble room or whatever it is. Right. So yeah, again, another key point for addressing that area. And it's a very technical look and we can make, and we can make technical look good, but you don't necessarily want that, that area to be just vacancy like ooh yeah at, you know look at the stands and look at the big spotlights okay that's <laughs> cool but you know the floral didn't have to stop there the candles didn't have to stop there you can or or pipe and drape all of that all of that some of it a piece of it can ride right over there so when that room is being scanned or when that camera shot lands on it again it's connected yes I, I know DJs, including myself, that have gorgeous setups. But when you put it in a room that's disconnected from everything else, mm-hmm. that gorgeous setup doesn't hold the same value. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, such a good thing. I'm gonna be really I'm gonna be so much more thoughtful about this, Lance. I'm glad that Thank you me. brought this up. Let's talk about in the room, um, about where bars go. Mm-hmm. In relation to all of this and um, food displays. By food displays, I mean like, you know, some like I was saying earlier, or maybe it was on the last episode. I can't even remember if it was mm-hmm. this one. Or, but we talked about the cake being displayed. Um, yes. The cake slices being displayed with the alternative desserts, like the minis and shooters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or like late night uh, food sure. uh, and um, the bars. The bars are so, a big one. I want to let you speak more, but I want to throw this out there just so it is a nugget as you speak and as people listen. Mm-hmm. Here's what I will say, because I think the first thing some people want to say, uh, and it it comes from venues more than anything. Oh, the DJ's just vain and wants to be seen. And listen, I'm sure you'll find some DJs that feel that way. But here's what I can assure you. A, a lot of us are introverts and we just perform when we perform and we go back in our little box when we're done. Mm -hmm. And B, again, it's about connection. 
not not so much the visual. I want to be able to have a full connection with the people I'm entertaining. Three, and this is where I'll leave it and I'll wait for you to give me your feedback. In most situations, and I don't mean to leave bands out, bands typically, at least from my observation, get an aesthetic advantage. Um, but in most cases, the DJ, much like a band, is the last two hours of your reception. Correct. It, we do not have some abbreviated role. Not only do we have, we take up a significant amount of time or responsible for, I should say, but we are also the last chunk of time. As we mentioned in the episode, in the previous episode, what we do is what people will remember because we, we came last. You're right. So you don't want to make your placement decisions as if we're a, a blip, like as beautiful as a cake is, as much as it costs and, and all of the things that it adds to a wedding, it will be cut and it will go away. Yeah. The exactly. DJ's not going away till it's over. <laughs> so true. It's so true. Okay. So I'm going to talk about some of these other placements mm-hmm. that are, yeah, absolutely. Things that, um, if you've got a designer, they, they know, you know, how it can fit into this, into the space best, how movement around it is important and how pictures and video work within it. And, um, again, I'm going to say it one last time, put your band and or DJ on some kind of stage or riser so they can see all of these things in the room and know when these things are happening. Um, and you know, where the photo booth is. And it's so important that they know where all these things are, especially if they're supposed to be making announcements throughout the evening to say, this reminder, there's a photo booth. We want to make sure you hit it or please sign the guest book. It's um, over in that corner. Like if they don't know what those things are because they haven't been provided with the diagram, there's going to be, those things are never going to happen. I can tell you right now, if you, you have to let them know and ask them to make those announcements if they are important to you. And, and one thing I'll toss in, and this is my opinion, it'd be interesting to see if you feel any different. In a smaller room, the DJ's riser, don't want to speak for a band, doesn't have to be that high. Because if it's too high in a smaller room, it can overwhelm. Oh, sure. And it, it, can, it can begin to feel like a school dance. Mm-hmm versus I've been in a ridiculously large room where it would have been complicated to command the attention necessary to guide people through the evening as an MC from either the ground floor or a modest riser. And I had a significant riser at this particular wedding. But when I think about the challenge that would have been without it in a room that size with a guest count that high, this was like a 300 person wedding. Mm -hmm. Um, It would have been a challenge that otherwise was easily avoided by having a significant riser slash stage area that made sense for the size of the room. So good. You know, I just thought about Lance. There's a few places that a few venues that I I have come across where and I I want to go back to this very quickly 
where all audio came from a room above, like mm-hmm. a loft area or mm-hmm. like um like a sound room, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe like there's a um what's it called? An art center that we have here that they mm-hmm. always um the DJ goes up there. So it's mm-hmm. like second story looking down mm-hmm. from so you're totally you're not down there at all. Yeah. Like people are like, where's the sound even coming from? Right. You we know? we have a venue like that here. As okay. Well. So it, h- how is that for you guys? You know, here's what's interesting. You're going to find a couple of different philosophies on that. Um, because at the venue that I speak of in my area, in the Dallas area, there are I some. Think DJ- every, I think every town oh, has one of these spots. No question. So th- no that's question. why I want to bring it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are some DJs that still opt to be on the floor with the guests mm-hmm. and bring the, cause this, this equipment, this uh, particular venue is fully furnished. It's, it's at, technically it's like a nightclub where a DJ just shows up. We yeah. bring our tabletop stuff and we plug yes. it in and that's it. Like a nightclub situation. That's right. I couldn't think of the, <laughs> the place that this happens most often. It's that kind of situation. It's because yes. you're, so you're planning and nightclubbing. Night that gives everyone the perspective that we're talking about. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. The DJ's way up there. Okay. Yeah. Um, there are some DJs that, that opt to be on the ground floor with the guests for the same experience and connection I, te- mm-hmm. I, I speak about. In this particular venue where some of those DJs opt to be on the ground floor, I actually don't mind being above, but but here's what here's Lance's personal uh philosophy as it relates to that particular venue. People at this point, because it's a venue that's been around for a few years, they they already have in mind what things are going to be like. And because of the booth being where it is, I have always felt that I'm better served up there, Mm -hmm. which otherwise would never be my choice because typically they plan the ground floor around the fact that the DJ is not there. Uh, So I don't want to disrupt that. I can, I can still connect with them typically because if, if not for anybody, just a couple, know like oh yeah well this is this is happening down here and the dj's up there so it's my at least in my opinion it's my job to adjust to the atmosphere that they have in mind now with other venues where you know the logistics aren't the same case but they still have an upstairs area um most often i'll advise the couple like hey i'll be wherever you want me to be but i am best on the ground floor, sure. even with a riser or, or, or whatever, okay. with with your guests so I can connect to them as we're doing what we do. So um, then and, you would suggest that if that was an opportunity as an option, that is something you would say to the clients that, you know, my, or they my, should ask you. My, my, yeah, oh, yeah. It's definitely always worth a discussion. Okay. And again, you'll find different DJs with different philosophies. So the last thing sure. that I'll say is because you know, I always look at this every everything we all do, not just a DJ, but this is an art form. So that means there's no right or wrong to art. Art is just art, and it can be defined in the eyes and the ears and the mind of the beholder. And I 
function like that. So as I say, oh, well, downstairs is best or ground floor is best or in this instance, it's, you know, up here is acceptable. That's just Lance. Mm-hmm. It, it you really want to connect with your DJ and your vendors and your band to see where they perform best. Not so much. Well, Lance said mm, different, <laughs> different things are going to apply to different situations. Mm-hmm. And I'm open with that. Um, okay, good. I'm glad I brought that up because it is, I, I feel like there's a venue in every town that is mm-hmm. like that. That has yeah. somewhere like that. Yeah, I, th- um, I, I think venue and space expe- expectations have to be factored in. Sure. Now, there's, there are some venues where logistically, and this one I'd, I would try to describe, but it'd be so hard. But they the, the placement they have for the DJ is awkward because everything else is centered based on the way that they choose to do the seats. They do this one seating arrangement every time. <laughs> which puts the staircase in the middle that goes to an upstairs area where they attempt to put DJs. I've never spent up there ever. I always refuse. Like, well, if you're down here, you're going to have to be over there in that corner. That's fine. I'd rather be cornered down here than way up there mm-hmm. with just regular equipment. They don't have a booth. It's like, no. And I don't, and I don't care about carrying equipment. That's not a big deal. Our yeah. stuff ain't that heavy. Um, it's just a disconnect. And and the venue does not have the same logistics as the one that literally designed the floor for the floor to be open to straight up design. Mm-hmm. So again, I just I just see them differently. But Got yeah, it. you you will find out from any and every vendor, any and every planner where they feel they can get the best results. And if you're hiring professionals that you admire and trust, then you, you hopefully you can trust where they feel they will pull the best results. Right. Right. Okay. So a couple other things that I want to make sure that we bring up during mm-hmm. this episode are bars and food displays yeah. and um, things like photo booths. Mm-hmm. So one thing that we talked about was when there are um, events that happen outside of the room, mm-hmm. uh, you maybe you have a cigar roller, you have a caricature artist, you've got um, a live painter would would most likely be inside of the same room, but mm-hmm. you know anything like that. A photo booth maybe you have outside of the room. A um, couple of things you definitely want to make sure that the DJ and or band leader knows about it, so they can let people know where those places are, and so that they can point them out, so that they you know your guests do get to interact with them. But also there's just something you just really need to put those things into placement and ha- like do a diagram. See how this actually looks from an aerial perspective. But also when you're within the space prior to like an initial walkthrough, go in there and imagine it at that point where all of these things are and the actual flow. Like if someone is sitting at dinner are they going to be able to see this space? How do they go get to this place? Um, things like the cake. The cake, if it's some, if you spent a fortune on this cake to make it beautiful and you've got like the best cake baker in town and it's going to be stunning and you're so excited about it, stick it in the corner 
is is not the best place for it. If it's an important thing to you, find somewhere in the room where everyone can appreciate it up until it gets cut. And then it can go away, you know. Mm -hmm. But and if you've got that earlier in the evening, phenomenal. It can be like right smack in the center of everything and get that cake cut and be done with it, you know. Um, And you don't have to worry about it again. But sticking something like that in a corner somewhere, I just I just I don't see how that's a good thing ever. So avoid that if you can. Bars. Bars in the room. So if you've got one bar, it needs to be somewhere. Somewhat, uh, you're not putting it in the center of the room, clearly, but uh, put it somewhere where everyone can see it and visualize it easily, but isn't distracting to the point where during dinner, if or toast or anything like that, if people go to because people are going to stand around the bar. There's no way to get around that. There's always going to be a few people that, you know, like you're talking maybe a dozen or two that it it just takes up space. So you can't plan for your bar to just be there for bar service. You know, people that are just the few people that are staying in line for it. You have to leave enough space surrounding it away from tables so that people aren't standing in line and congregating in front, like, literally six inches from someone who's sitting there trying to eat their nice filet and lobster dinner. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because not only is there personal space being invaded, but typically that's a butt in the face. Exactly. Exactly that. Nobody wants a butt in the face. No, ever. Ever. Ever, ever. So, you know, those are things like you have to leave footprints in the room for more than just the space that, or the amount of space that that thing needs. So it can't just be the eight foot bar and the eight foot table that's behind it that we call the back bar. You've got to have a very minimum eight feet open in front of it. I don't think that's even enough, but if that's all you've got, at least give it that much space from there to the first table that they're going to come across. Um, I always, I am one of those people as a designer and thinking about the flow of the room and guests being in line at weddings, which I hate that as a guest myself, yeah. um, is being in a line. I think one of the best ways that you can avoid that is to have one large bar instead of splitting bars on each side of the room. Here's why. If you've got all the bartenders in one place, then everyone knows where to go instead of one bar being the bar that everyone seems to be paying attention to and having a line at it versus the bar on the other side of the room that no one is using and there's no line at. So, and that's often what happens when you have split bar situations. So if you could take those two bars and put them together in one spot in the room, then all those bartenders behind it, whether it be two, three, or four, can equally serve at the same time versus a line at one and no line at another one. So that's just my bar tip. The other thing that I wanted to say is if you're doing any kind of late night menu or dessert display or anything like that, a guest book, um, a character artist or something like that, put those things next to the bar. The bar is the one place that people are going to go to throughout the evening. Am I right? It's a rare occasion when no one goes up to the bar. Mm -hmm. So 
if you have those things near the bar, people are going to say, oh, there's there's desserts here because you can't smell a dessert from anywhere else in the room. You bring pizza in, people smell the pizza and the burgers and all that <laughs> stuff. The sliders, mm-hmm. they smell it and they come running. They can find that in a room. But right. no one smells brownies in a room. So there's nothing to draw them there. But if they're next to the bar, you know, those little macaroons and and key lime tarts and things like that, they're going to see them there when they go to, or the sliced cake that you didn't have served because you wanted to get to the party, said you put it on display. So put those things as close to the bar as possible. So maybe that makes up, you know, takes up the whole one of your walls, let's say the, the east wall of your reception is the double size bar or triple size bar with all the bartenders behind it. Um, the dessert table on one side, the character artist or the live artist on the other side, you know, any of those things, if you can kind of place them all together, then they are, you're more assured that they're not going to go to waste, that they're going yeah. to be appreciated and used. And, 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 and you, a key word that you mentioned that I don't want to blow by people because that will become the competing philosophy are the bartenders because Mm -hmm. people go one bar and then especially depending on what size weddings they deal with, but don't let the word one throw you off because the size of that one bar and the amount of stock that that one bar has and the amount of bartenders servicing that bar can make Mm -hmm. all the difference in the world versus feeling that you just have to have, oh, we got to have at least three bars. No, you just need three bars worth of service. Yes. And that that can't happen in one area. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. So, um, so, I mean, you've all seen this before. Having multiple bars, I totally understand it. But having them all in one place just means that you're not going to have the lines at the bar or at one bar and not at the other. There's not going to be a favorite bar. So like Lance was saying, you plan just one bar, but have two or three bartenders behind it. So it's usually you have to make it larger to make the the case for this. No question. Um, So we'll often do a double or triple size bar. Usually a double, double will do fine. The number of bartenders that you're going to have when you do this, doesn't it doesn't matter um, the, the actual like footprint of the bar. It's the number of people that should, des- um, what's the word? Um, the number of guests tells you how many bartenders to have. Yeah. So standard is for every 75 to 100 guests is one bartender. So if you have 101 guests, you're going to have at least two bartenders. I would prefer it if it was one per 75, but not all venues are going to provide that. Not all caterers are going to provide that. Typically, though, if you ask for that an extra bartender, they will do it for some kind of nominal fee, you know, $75 an hour or $275 flat for the, the length of the reception. Um, it is important. It is really, really important that you have the uh, the appropriate amount of bartenders there available mm-hmm. for that. So, and um, again, I just want to bring up about the food. If you are serving food in a late night menu, 
and it doesn't have a scent that's going to waft through the air, <laughs> you need to have your band or DJ announced that it's somewhere and mm-hmm. or please do put it near the bar so people see it, especially cake displays. Can't tell you enough and be um, impressed this upon you enough that if you don't serve it as a final course, they will never know it's there and it will all go to waste if it isn't announced or near the bar so they see it. Amen. Yep. Uh, and then what I would add is understand, and I'm speaking to the couples, that people want to be where you are. It is your wedding. They are celebrating you. It doesn't matter what mm-hmm. type of entertainment you have around it. So if you find yourself having uh, attractions that are placed outside of your main reception room, which happens and that's fine, people want to be where you are. So if you're ready for everybody to dance, you need to be in the room with the DJ or the band where the dancing is. Yeah. Now. Do you have to stay there every melting second? No, <laughs> but you you def if if you want to start it off or lead it off, then yeah, you need to be in the room so your guests that are all about you are in the room as well. Get that going, and then if you choose to dip outside or dip to another room, all good because you know much like coals in a you know barbecue fire, you've got that started. And it should be able to carry on, mm-hmm. you know, with your abbreviated absence. But if you're at the bar in the secondary room, so is everybody else. Yeah. That's just how it works. You're the popular one that night. Yep. Absolutely. Lance, this was a great discussion. I'm so glad that we had it. I Me feel too. like this is going to save from a lot of potential fires that people didn't even know about. Not fires, but I think it's just going to make weddings more successful in the end experiences so much better because you you know guest experience is so important it's the experiences and and that is everything there's a there's a lot of things that you can put into a wedding you can and and achieve pretty pictures achieve a great dance floor achieve a great meal but those things have to all come together to give people the proper experience that you want them to walk away from your wedding with you know what we didn't talk about when it comes to um, placement and thinking about how things are? Uh, Two things. Actually, movement. What's that? Two things, because I got one in my head, too. Okay. Um, actual movement throughout the room, between tables. Mm-hmm. Mm. Guys, you have to think about the amount of space between tables. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing like, stations or buffet, it's not as important to have as much room but if you have servers coming out the servers need somewhere need to be able to move between tables easily and to be able to put what are called um server stands or jack stands down with the trays on them if they're not doing um you know um uh tray service or not tra- uh not tray service uh hand service mm-hmm. so if if you've got fine dining and they're not using trays great they, they, you, but you still have a lot of servers coming out, winding through a lot of different tables. So please, please, please make sure there's an appropriate amount of space between all of the tables for them to flow through. Yeah. And then if you purchase up lighting, you can't really have tables that are against the wall or just, you know, a, a snail's distance away from the wall. Because what you don't want a guest to do and a DJ even more so 
is to have someone back there cheer up into a $500 lighting fixture. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That so would we, not be good. Yeah. That would so not be good. Same thing. You know, depending, and this is where planners come in, you know, so valuable to a wedding. They, they understand the logistics of, oh, I want A, B, C, D, E, F. Okay. Well, that stuff has to be designated for. It's, it's not just there. It's mm-hmm. really a detailed and intricate plan that makes it all not only be there, but work together. Yes. It's um, foot, knowing footprints is in, in, a, in a very, very important part. Let's say you pipe and drape a room. <laughs> it looks like t- from your perspective that everything's right up against the wall. Guess what? It's not. <laughs> There's a plate at the bottom of that pipe and drape. Um, like so, so when we say pipe and drape, we're talking where it looks like the beautiful draping that comes down from the ceiling that hits the floor. Um, they are typically a solid 18 inches from the wall, if not even a little bit more. Mm. So you are losing that much square footage anywhere that you've got that going around. Mm -hmm. So that's really important that when you're doing your diagrams, that you're considering that for your space issues, for your actual footprint. Just a little heads up there. And then my last quick mention, because it's not a whole episode, but um, when you do your seating, don't sit grandma next to the DJ. Oh my gosh, Lance. I'm so glad that you, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Let's talk about that for a minute because there's mm-hmm. there's a lot to do with that. Go for it. So the closer you are to the DJ and the, the speakers, the louder it is, clearly. Period. Period, 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 period. period. End of story. <laughs> so when you are assigning tables, those tables that are closest to where the DJ and or speakers are needs to be the people who can handle a little bit of loud. Because yep. that sound has to carry throughout the entire room. And, so, and and some DJs are going to be, well, can't you do satellite speakers? Or Yes, and we do. But when it's time for dancing, we are assigned to place the bulk of the sound on the dance floor. Correct. And And that's when the most intense volume comes. It's not when we're trying to make your herd your toast heard in the rear of the room. There are ways around that without blowing people away that are sitting close to it. The opposite is when it's time to dance, that sound is concentrated in a specific area, which is the dance floor area, which in enough cases is typically closest to the DJ, which is where grandma has no business being. No. Unless grandma parties like there's no tomorrow. And here's the complaints that we always hear. We hear the complaints from those people. And then when we turn it down, it's the people that are in on the other side of the room. They're complaining that they can't hear anything. So it's, it's, it's just, it's one of those fine details that it's, you can, you can fix this in advance by properly assigning what, where those tables are with the appropriate people, mm-hmm. but the youngest people who are most likely to hit the dance floor and stay on the dance floor closest to the stage. Simple as that. It's that easy. And even more so if you have a DJ that's, you know, does not have the fortune of being center of the room. Okay. Well, if the DJ has got to be on the left, put grandma on the right. 
Mm-hmm. Period. Exactly. End of story. End of story. Lance's was really good. Yes, it I was. knew it would be. Yep. We're over. <laughs> we're way over an hour. Right, in this. right. <laughs> but here's the thing: all of these things need to be said. Oh my you know? goodness! Yeah, we That's, we. This is the detail of weddings. Mm-hmm. It's it's not mm-hmm. abbreviated. No, and you know just just to have these little tips are going to make your wedding so much better. I mean, it takes us this much time to get through them, but it gives it so that. Us taking this time right now is going to give you just those 10 questions that you can put out there really easily and get taken care of in 10 minutes versus mm-hmm. having chaos. And That's what this is called chaos part one and part two. Yep. And a lot of wedding. you, a lot of you have been to those weddings where the picture comes back and you were a guest, you weren't the person getting married, where the visuals that you see, which are all pretty don't match up with the experience that you had. Yeah, exactly that. So this is what we're trying to help you avoid, making sure the experience matches the pretty picture. Yes, absolutely. It's, I'm about the experience first. I'm that planner. Same. So Same. I love a pretty wedding, and I yes. try to make them all beautiful, but I want people to walk away going, that was the best wedding. And then no one ever walks away and says, that was the best wedding because it was so pretty. No. They mm-hmm. walk away going, that was the best it, the best weekend of my entire life. Yep. I cannot believe how much fun I had at that wedding. Yep. That was the most sentimental ceremony I've ever had. I cried mm-hmm. and cried and cried. Those are the things that you hear. Yep. It is a rare opportunity where you hear, I'm so glad I went to that wedding because those flowers were insane. You don't hear that. Do they play a factor? Yes. Yep. That's what makes the room feel good. You mm-hmm. you want to be sitting at that dinner table, mm-hmm. but it's being able to have those conversations at the dinner table that make it phenomenal. You know. Yep. So guest and, and same guest same as a DJ. First. Yeah, yep. it's, it's it's not yep. what I did for two hours. It's no. How did I send you out of the door? What did you feel when it was time to say goodnight? How did you feel when that confetti went went off on the dance floor? Right. Like, was it was it confetti worthy? <laughs> it, everything's confetti worthy, in my opinion. <laughs> Rare do I let an opportunity go by where there's a wedding without confetti. This is one of those things that, you know, the second it goes off because nobody ever knows that it's coming, you know. Right. The, the excitement on faces, it's, again, one of those little crescendos that you have during the evening. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Lance, thank you so much. I thank really you. appreciate that you did um, both you of these episodes me. with me. And I feel like this is, um, you know, things that people just don't think about, you know. Yeah. And yeah. why would they even? Yeah, you're not supposed you? to. You're not supposed to know all this. You're no. you hire professionals that know this. But think about how dang good your wedding's going to be now because you knew better. Right. You know? And so, yeah. Great. Lance, thank you so much. And thank, thank you. you for being my editor. I appreciate you so much. Oh, I love working with you. I wouldn't change a thing. Okay. All right. Thanks, Lance. Bye. Bye. I'm so glad to be able to share my wedding experiences and expertise with you and that my co-hosts are so giving of theirs. We truly do want you to have the best time at your wedding, and our hope is that this podcast is helping you to make your engagement time while planning your wedding that much easier. May I ask a favor of you if this is the case? 
Would you just take a moment to leave a review of this podcast on your listening platform? It helps people just like you to find the podcast and to also find out their answers so they can make decisions. I would also absolutely love for you to give this versus that podcast a shout out on your social media. You can find us at this versus that wedding podcast on Instagram. And if you would like me to help you with a specific question, a wedding decision, please, by all means, ask, send me a DM. I would love to hear from you and maybe just maybe even have you as a wedding guest on a future episode. How fun. Here's to another great wedding.